This is Lon Taylor, the Rambling Boy, broadcasting from Marfa Public Radio Studios in downtown Marfa on this first Friday in March. Since tomorrow is Texas Independence Day, it seems appropriate to dedicate today's program to Sam Houston. Houston was not the father of Texas. That title belongs to Stephen F. Austin. But he was the father of eight children, four boys and four girls, born to him and his wife, Margaret, between 1843 and 1860. The daughters all married, raised families, and presumably had happy lives. But none of Houston's sons fulfilled his hopes during his lifetime. Houston's pride and joy was his first son, Sam Jr., born in 1843, while Houston was serving his second term as president of the Republic of Texas. When the boy was nine and Sam Houston was in Washington, D.C., sitting in the U.S. Senate, Margaret sent him some samples of verse young Sam had composed, saying that he also enjoyed drawing and sketching. Houston forwarded them to Washington Miller, his former secretary and closest confidant, with a note that said, I have a great contempt for second parts, and I would not want my son to be a second Byron. Anything but a poet, a fiddler, or a song singer. He added that Mirabu Lamar, his arch enemy in Texas politics, was a poet. When he was 17 in 1860, young Sam enrolled in the Bastrop Military Institute, and his father, now governor of Texas, wrote him weekly letters. In one, after advising him not to smoke or chew tobacco or carry concealed weapons or associate with boys who sneered at the Bible, he said, I look upon you as the one upon whom my mantle is to fall. It is natural that I should desire you to wear it worthily, I nobly, and to give it additional luster. By this time, Houston had three more sons, Andrew Jackson, born in 1854, William Rogers, born in 1858, and Temple Lee, born in 1860. But Sam Jr. was the one on whom his father's hopes were pinned. When the Civil War broke out, Sam Jr. joined the Confederate Army. Enrolling as a private in Company C, Texas, 2nd Texas Infantry, commanded by his father's old friend, Ashbel Smith. Although his father had written him urging him to stay home, it is clear that the old general was secretly proud of his boy's spirit. On a trip to Galveston while his son's regiment was in camp there, the senior Houston was invited by Smith to drill the company. The 69-year-old veteran of two wars took his place on the parade ground and called out, right about face. The men turned to the rear. Houston then shouted, 
Do you see anything of Judge Campbell or of Williamson Olman, two of Houston's political opponents, both fire-eating secessionists? Here. No, the men shouted back. Right about face. Do you see anything of Judge Campbell's son here? In Paris at school, someone shouted back. Eyes left. Do you see anything of young Sam Houston here? When the cheering stopped, the old soldier gave a final command. Eyes front. Do you see anything of old Sam Houston here? Young Sam's regiment was in the Battle of Shiloh, where on the first day he was hit in the breast by a musket ball that was stopped by a Bible he was carrying in his coat pocket. The ball penetrated the Bible to the 70th Psalm. The next day, he was not so lucky. He was shot in the groin and left for dead on the battlefield when his regiment retreated. Late in the day, a Union chaplain walking among the dead realized that young Sam was still alive. He picked up the bullet-scarred Bible, which was lying beside him, read Sam's name on the flyleaf, and asked if he was related to the former senator from Texas, of whom the chaplain had been an admirer. Sam Jr. managed to say, my father, and the chaplain got him to a Union doctor and eventually arranged his exchange from the Union prison camp near Chicago. Young Sam came home a subdued man. After the war, he enrolled in medical school at the University of Pennsylvania, and when he graduated, practiced medicine in Belton and Waco. He married at the age of 31, and after his marriage, more or less gave up his medical practice, spending his time drawing, sketching, and writing. He published a book of adventure stories entitled Sam Houston's Rambling Rustlings in 1892 and died in 1894. He never became a fiddler or a song singer, but he never added much luster to his father's mantle either. Houston's second son, William Rogers, called Willie, seems to have been a complete non-entity. Little is written about him except that he never married, was a special enforcement officer for the Indian service, and died of a heart attack at the age of 62 in 1920. The third son, Andrew Jackson Houston, had unrealistic political ambitions. He ran unsuccessfully for governor three times and finally accepted a senator as superintendent of the San Jacinto Battlefield Park. He lived long enough to become the victim of the cruelest political ploy in Texas history. In 1941, when Senator Morris Shepard died in office, Governor W. Leo Daniel wanted to appoint someone to the vacant seat who would not run against him in the special election that would follow the appointment. He chose Houston, who was 86 and ailing, and announced the appointment on San Jacinto Day, April 21st. The train trip to Washington killed the old man, and he died in a Baltimore hospital 
a few weeks after taking his oath of office. Houston's youngest son, Temple Lee, was the only one who showed any signs of rivaling his father's fame. He read law and was the youngest lawyer in Texas when he was admitted to the bar. When he was 22, he was appointed district attorney for the judicial district that covered most of the panhandle, and he quickly earned a reputation for his oratorical skills and flamboyant courtroom style. He wore his hair long and carried a pistol into the courthouse. In 1894, he moved his family to Oklahoma Territory, where he continued to practice law and where he announced his intention to run for governor when Oklahoma achieved statehood. He died of a cerebral hemorrhage before that happened. He was only 45. Temple Houston could not remember his father. He was only three when Sam Houston died. The absence of an overbearing father might have contributed to his success. You've been listening to Lon Taylor, The Rambling Boy. I'll be back next Friday at 11 a.m. with another story about Texas. In the meantime, remember that you can read The Rambling Boy and the Big Ben Sentinel every Thursday. This program was made possible by a generous grant from the Summerlee Foundation's program in Texas history.